have been having an amazing summer. There have been so many people come to know the Lord. We've had kids receiving Jesus for the first time at sports camp and junior high schoolers giving their heart and their lives to the Lord. And we have hundreds, hundreds of kids coming this next week and it has been amazing. And I have also been learning a little bit more about the body of Christ, about what it means to actually be the church, to be his church. I was running around for sports camp gathering some things and I left Target and felt that impression from the Holy Spirit to go to one of our favorite candy places. Now, I never mind obeying the Lord when it involves free samples. So I thought to myself, maybe I'm supposed to get something for our sports camp team. I don't know, but I went ahead and I went. I walked in the door and I met this young woman and she said to me, I have seen you around town three times this week. You're from New Hope, right? And she said, I need help. And I didn't get to do a lot of ministry there um, at the store, but I got to be a part of Jesus reminding her that he knows exactly what she needs. And it was awesome. That's what it's all about. We come here and we receive and we're discipled and we give so that we can go beyond the walls of this church and reach others for him. We give so that they can receive. Proverbs 11 says that a generous man prospers and those that refresh will be refreshed. Those that refresh others will be refreshed. I was really refreshed that day because I got to be a part of God's plan for someone else's life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you involve us, not just in um, filling ourselves, but in giving to others. Lord, thank you so much that as we decide in our hearts right now, as your word says, what our gifts, what our offerings, what our tithes will be, Lord. I pray that we would have that deeper understanding of what it means to be your body, what it means to be your church, reaching this world for you, Lord. We look forward, Lord, to what's gonna happen this next week and beyond. Thank you, Lord, for giving us these opportunities. Thank you for being our provider, for blessing us. Lord, I pray that you would um, just use this offering, use our tithes, multiply them, and use them mightily for your kingdom. Thank you, precious Savior. Bless everyone here. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Lynn. Well, you can take out your notes. We're going to conclude our series called Discover New Hope. Or if you have your phone, you can go onto our church app. And you can also take notes that way. And by the way, if you need to email you yourself the notes, you can do that. You can print them out later uh, if you wanted me. to check them out. Excuse me. Uh, but Pastor that's going to be on the... Pastor Sheldon, hi. Hi. McBrainy, my hi. goodness. How are you? <laughs> I am doing great. I was right hi. in the middle of uh, talking. Hello. We're talking hi. about Jesus and the Bible and... Yeah. How, how are you? It's good to see you. Well, Has been a, actually, like a while. <laughs> since you asked, I'm I'll just tell being cordial. you. Uh, well, the my right foot, the plantar fibromatosis has been acting up again, oh. and so I thought it was directly affecting the claudication in my left leg. <laughs> but apparently, they're That's not bad. related at all. Yeah. But um, yeah, because leg cramps keep me up at night. And you know what I've learned yeah. is that ketchup packets actually 
take away those cramping the in your legs. Packet. Did you know that? Did you know that? Yeah. They, I, it's, a, it's, it's amazing. No, it, I, try, I tried that once. It was, I actually it was, keep the uh, ketchup packets right on my nightstand. True story. I yeah. actually carry them with me wherever I go, just in case. I should you carry some so with careful. me. <laughs> I need to carry a bottle. I, I have played basketball on time. Yeah. But it actually works. I just love it. I yeah. just love it. Yeah. But anyway, I know that you're, um, you're, you're concluding your series. Yes, Discover New Hope. Okay, so, so I wanted to share with you what sure. I have discovered okay. about New Hope. And awesome. so I actually have a clip, a video clip that I would like to show you uh, well, we don't about know, We're, we're going to talk about some so, things. Roll I don't know it, if we have a, roll well, it. Who are you talking to? Were you really? To the cause of interdenominational and worldwide evangelism. Wait, how long is this video? So it's the about nine show. minutes long. It'll nine minutes, okay. <laughs> nine minutes. You got, temple. Yeah. Look at that. You know, actually, you know, we, we can actually stop the video. I'm so sorry. But thank you. Thank you for introducing that video. And that's on foursquare.org. Yes. You can so if you want to watch that video, you can see it. It's on foursquare.org on their time when That's they true. Yeah, when I've they want also to. learned that there are one thousand five hundred and nineteen Foursquare churches in the United States alone. That is correct. That is amazing. Yes. And over eighty six thousand Foursquare churches worldwide. Globally. Yes. And right here yes. on this property, we are on nineteen point eight acres. It used to be pasture land. Yes. I'm sure the ethnobotanists would have loved that. Yep, yeah. all of them <laughs> yeah. guys. Yep. And more, but thank you so much for stopping by. I really appreciate your research because it seems like your research is very extensive. Yes, and it, very, it is. There's a lot of depth. Don't you think it it's a, there's a lot of depth in her research? Okay. Right? We are grateful okay. for this woman who works so hard. Okay. So thank you for right. stopping. We really appreciate okay. it. McBrainy, everybody. She just, comes by just once. One more thing, though. <laughs> Wouldn't be you without it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> knock, knock. <laughs> Are you serious? Knock, knock. <laughs> Out of all your extensive research, PhD. Okay, uh, who's there? Moses. <laughs> Moses who? He moses the grass every Saturday. <laughs> wow. Get it? I, I actually don't, but I, it's close enough. Yeah, All so right. good. Thank you for All stopping right. by, McBrainy. Oh, my, my goodness, I'm, I appreciate okay. that. I think you understood Thanks, it. Did you think appreciate you understood it? it? Might want to go check her okay. out and All right. yeah, make sure she's later. okay. Bye, yeah. Check what she's drinking in that cup. <laughs> but we're, we're in this series, Discover New Hope, and it is true. We have four square churches worldwide, and we are one of them. And the incredible thing is what God does through our humble church here. And we are, yes, on a 19-point eight acre lot a lot of it is uh, the baseball field and then of course all of the different buildings but the reason why we brought this place and why God blessed us with this place is not so that we can be here and enjoy church together enjoy each other's company and and build relationships and have families come here it is more than that it's actually like a central hub that God would bring us to so that like Pastor Lynn said, we can go out into the world and then reach others for Christ. This is like where we get instructions. This is where we catch vision. This is where we understand the heart behind why we do what we do. And that's why we're going through Discover New Hope. And when you came in, you were given this bulletin as well as this booklet. Some of you have been bringing this back. We're going to be on page 12 today. And we're going to be talking about rooted and growing. In, in your bulletin, there's a place that says church membership. And we learned about that in the past couple of weeks. So if you're just joining us today, and this is the first time you're here, first of all, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're visiting us or you're, you're 
visiting the islands. We thank you for being here. What a joy to have you uh, with us. So you're going to be hearing a lot of our heart and vision, but even if you're not a member of this church, you can still learn and grow because it's coming out of God's Word. It's not about this church. It's about His church. So we get to learn and grow together. Someone asked me, what is the difference between membership and attendance or attender? What if I just want to come, come to church? What if I don't contribute? What if I don't give? Is that okay? Can I still attend? Absolutely. There's just a difference in attender and, uh, and member. A member is someone who says, I, I, I commit to the heart and vision of the church, that I, I do want to be a part of the larger picture. I do want to contribute. I want to be a part of that. So when you look at this uh, sheet, you're going to print your name and your information, and then you're going to check off that I want to be a member of the church, and these are the areas that we look at that you would say, I want to be a member, and then you'll sign it. And the reason why we have you sign it is because we want this to be your commitment, not your wife saying, hey, honey, you're going to be a member. Oh, okay. And then they sign you up. Or you saying, honey, you, we're going to be members, so I'm signing you up. But, but although the heart is good, we want to do this for ourselves. And so we get to ask the Lord, Lord, what do I get to do? Can I, can I, can I be a part of the bigger picture? And what does that look like? And, and, some, and for some of us, it's going to be a challenge, but it is a great, unbelievable spiritual challenge because it's our growth in the Lord that he looks for. It's not about a membership card, which you will get, uh, you're going to, after you fill this out, get a membership card, and we put your name on it. That's why we need the information. We put your name on it, and it's good for one year. And then I will pray over your card. I will pray for you, and then I will sign my name to it, and then we will mail you your card, and then you also sign your name. And the reason why we do that is because that's what they did in the Bible. When they were rebuilding Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem, all the people gathered together, and then they all agreed in what God was doing, and then they fixed their seals to it, our signature, as it were. And they all agreed, and they rejoiced, and they celebrated what God was doing. So that's what we want to do, because it's a covenant with God. We're saying to God, God, I agree with this. I agree with the heart and vision of reaching people far from you one relationship at a time. I agree with you that we're going to present the gospel of Jesus Christ in such a way that turns non-Christians into converts, converts into disciples, and then disciples into mature, fruitful leaders who will in turn go out into the world and then reach others for Christ. That's you saying, I, I want to commit to the heart and vision of the church. So take a look at that, pray about it. For some of you, you've been a member for a long time and you're saying, I already am a member. I've already heard the Lord, so I'm going to go for it. And so just obey God because it's all about our relationship with him. And that's where rooted and growing comes in. Rooted and growing is what we use to disciple. It's a part of it. It's not the entire thing. It's a part of it. Now, you're, you're, you're going to hear the word disciple. And disciple means a learner. So when we hear being discipled by Jesus, it means you're learning from Jesus. So you're going to hear rooted and growing as a place where you can be discipled, that anyone, anywhere, anytime can be discipled. And the reason why we say that is because everything we do is discipleship. Not everything we do here in the church, which is a part of it, everything we do here in the church is discipleship, but everything we do in life is discipleship. God is always discipling us, constantly. 
And you might be thinking, no, he doesn't disciple me. I don't, I don't have a class at home. I don't have a booklet at home. Oh, no, God speaks to us in our spirit. How often Heidi and I would be sitting down and having the best day and, and we'll be talking about things and then I'll say something like, hey, Heidi, did you, did you lock the front door? Because yesterday when I came home, the door was unlocked. And she'll say something like, no, I, I didn't. I remember locking it yesterday because I went out the other door, so I didn't, I didn't even go through that door. Did you go through that door? No, I, did, I didn't, but when I came home, it was unlocked. So I'm just saying, you know, maybe before you leave the house, just make sure it's locked. Well, I left after you, so maybe you should make sure that it's locked. When No, I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying that when you leave the house, just double check. She goes, no, no, I understand what you're saying, but so can you. So if, when you leave the house, and then 10 minutes later, we're fighting at, like, things about, but you never even filled a car up with gas last week. And so now the whole day is gone. It's like one small little thing started. It's like God is saying, hey, as a husband, I'm going to ask you right now. And then he teaches me as a husband. To love your wife just as Christ loved the church. You're going to have to give up yourself for her right now. So die to yourself so that you may live. Not that she's going to kill you, but so that you will have life inside of you. And so what happens is God is discipling at that very moment. And rooted and growing helps us to understand and hear the voice of God. Because it helps us anywhere, anytime to learn about God. And here's how. It's a thing we call right now media. Right now media in the way we call it, is the Netflix for discipleship. That you can, at, at any time, access your account if you sign up for it, and it's absolutely free. You sign up for it, and you have access to various conferences, different studies. You can do your own Bible study. You can do a seven-minute study. You can do a 15-minute study. You can grab a group of people and do an hour study. Depending on what you want, you can, you can tailor it to your growing needs. If you're, a, if you're a parent, a brand new parent, you can go under parenting and you can look with uh, all of the different teachings that there is. If, if you're married or just have gotten married and you're a newlywed, you might want to go under marriage and start learning what marriage is all about in God's sight. So there are a ton of different things that you can learn from. Just fill out the form on, in your bulletin. And then on the bottom, just put other and put right now media. So you're going to have to give us your name and email because we put your email in their, their database. And then they will email you your own personal password. And once you get your own password, you have access. And then you can put together what, whatever you would want. And if you want to, you can start your own rooted and growing group. All you need is a phone or a tablet or uh, a computer. And if you want to do this in your home... You can, you can get it to your, your TV, however you want to do it, but you can do this anytime, anywhere, and anytime, because it's, it's for you anytime, anywhere, anyone. So any, anybody can do this. It doesn't matter where you are in life. If you have access to this, then you'll be able to learn and grow uh, anytime you want. Some of us will use Rooted and Growing or, or Right Now Media as a way to just, as we go through the week, to just get some, some Bible study in. And to learn. I can't tell you how helpful it is that we have that. And it's just another way for you to have a tool in, in learning and growing in the Lord. And more than that, we also have groups that meet together. Uh, different small groups. And if you want more uh, information, you can look to this sheet right here. This is the 2018 ministries and their overseers. And you might want to start your own. Maybe at work, during break. I know some people who do that. They do it during, uh, before work. 
They just grab a group of people and then they pray together. Sometimes they'll watch a quick video and then they'll do a short study together. But this helps with our growth in the Lord because it's not about a religion. It's about our relationship with Him. And when God was creating in, in the book of Genesis, He created mankind. And when He created man, He says this in Genesis 2 verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good for, for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So God made woman out of man. And when God created man, he said, now, now this, this is good. Because now you have a helpmate. You have someone by your side. You have someone that can be with you and you're not going to be alone. And the reason why God said it is not good for man to be alone, what he wasn't saying is you are alone. Because man wasn't really alone in that sense because he had a relationship with God. What he was saying to man is, it's not good that you are alone and you don't have someone like you to connect with. So I'm going to create someone in my image, but who can be compatible to you. And so God created woman. I want you to know that you're never alone because God is there. Yet there are times when even in a setting like this, we still feel alone. And we feel like there's no one there. No one, no one tells me hi. No one talks to me. Well, these rooted and growing groups helps, helps to solve that problem because it brings the church smaller. It's, it's kind of like a campfire. If you think of a campfire and you put a fire together, you can have a couple of people around, maybe five or six people. Or if you have a big fire, then you can put maybe 12 or 15 but you get to know each other around this campfire. You warm each other. You can see each other's faces. But there are others who are in the dark that have yet to be warmed by this fire or have yet to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. But once they come near and then they want to be near the fire, now it's like too many people. We can either become hoarders over this group and, and just have our own group and say no one else can be included. Or we can say... Oh, okay, you're good. Okay, you're good over here. Heidi, you're good. Okay, Kimo, you're good. Maya, you're good. Okay, Sean, you're good. Okay, great. We all have a relationship. We're good. Okay, there are other people that have yet to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. No one is reaching out to them. No one is spending time with them. You guys are good. I'm going to start another campfire. So I'm going to take some of your wood, and I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to make another campfire. And then me and this person are going to build from there. They're going to reach out to other people. And the more campfires we have, the more people we reach. And the more people we reach, the more the light of God and the love of Jesus can shine into our darkened world. But if we all just huddle around one group and we have, wow, we have like 50 people in our group. It shouldn't be 50. It should be 50 groups. For some of us, we've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. And the Lord is saying, I want to build a campfire, and I want you to oversee that. And normally, the first thing comes to our mind is, I don't have time, Lord. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I guarantee you this. If you're willing and open to the Lord, he will open the way. He will provide the way. He, he's just that good at doing what he does. And it doesn't have to be anything elaborate. You can meet someone at a, at a coffee shop in the morning before work and just meet for a half an hour. Maybe do devotions together, whatever it would be. But the more campfires we have, the more people can be included. And when more people are included, then no one would feel alone. 
because they can be connected with other people. When the early church was being birthed in Acts chapter 2, the Bible tells us that every single day, day by day, they continued with one mind. And they continued in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So they did meet in large groups, but they also met from house to house. And they had smaller groups of people. So we want to, as the church becomes bigger, we want to grow smaller so that we can stay connected. Because God is not in the habit of building ministry. He's in the habit of building people. He wants to build us up. And that's why we want to have these rooted and growing uh, groups. Hebrews 3.13 tells us to encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Did you know that sin is that deceitful? Like it slowly, subtly creeps in. And before you know it, we're, we're, we're drowning in sin and, and we're wondering, what happened? But if you're encouraging one another day by day and you're building each other up, you're going to see the signs here and there. When Heidi and I first jo- uh, joined ministry and we, we uh, just served and we kept serving, there were people around us that began to know us. And then they knew when we were doing well and when we weren't doing so well. And there were once in a while that my friends would come up to me and say, hey, how are you guys doing? I'd say, yeah, we're doing okay. And they'd say, you know, I, I, I noticed that you guys are kind of, you and Heidi are at ends right now. It doesn't look like you guys are doing good. Instead of me saying, well, why are you judging me? Why are you got to judge me for? You know, only God judges me. I had to switch to, well, what, what, what can I do? I want to be better as a husband. I want to be better as a father. And instead of taking it as someone's judging me, I took it as a sense of someone wants to help me. And so even in the very beginning when people would speak into my life, I never saw that, that encouragement would be able to do wonders for the years to come. If I want to have a successful marriage and a successful relationship with God, I can't do it alone. I'm not going to be able to do it by myself, and neither can you. That's why God said it is not good for man to be alone. Otherwise, this, the, the deceitfulness of sin comes in. And before we know it, sin has taken us. But we get to encourage one another. That's why we have the fellowship hall. That's why we meet like this so that we can encourage one another, learn from God. That's why we have the covered courtyard so that we can be in groups where we can be with our families and that we can encourage each other, build each other up, talk to one another, pray for one another. We have our prayer room if you ever need prayer. We can pray with you. Sometimes we'll go to the yes table, and that's after someone says yes to Jesus. We have a free Bible and some reading material. That's to encourage you in your walk with God. We want to encourage one another, lest the deceitfulness of sin creep in. We don't want that to happen. So everything you see, everything that is here, we we use for the connection to a person, to a soul. Every time we want to do something better and better and better and we want to improve, it's not just for excellence sake. It's so that someone can grow closer to the Lord. Everything is utilized. The chairs that you see, we partner with you in your attempts to reach your family and friends. Imagine if every single one of us invited one person to church. This service would double just like that. Why? Because we are reaching out to someone. That's why we have chairs. So that when you invite someone, they have a place to sit. 
That's why we give to God so that the finances can be used for more people to come to know him as Lord and Savior. And it's not about building the church. It's about building the church, the people, not the buildings and things like that. If God is, if God is building us up and using us to go out into the world, then more people will find hope because you have the hope of the world in you. God gave you that so that you could now be that for other people and just introduce them to Jesus Christ. And it may not be in a setting where you can say that to them, but it may be just a, an invitation of saying, now hey, you should come to church. Come to church with me just one time. Just come to church one time. It could be on a, on a regular Sunday. It could be on a special occasion. It could be just for breakfast. Just say, okay, you don't need to go into the building. I'll just treat you to breakfast. And then you treat them to breakfast. But at least they get to be around other people, other believers. But that's, this is why we do what we do. It's so that people can find Jesus Christ. That's why we give. In fact, on page 13, as we continue, you will hear often us pray over the tithes and offerings. Pastor Lynn did that this morning. And the reason why we pray over the tithes and offerings is because it's a holy moment. It's not just us giving money towards something. This, this financial gift that we're giving to the Lord's work is, is something that no other organization can do. I mean, it's great to give to charities and things like that. And some of them do it for the cause of God. And that's great. We have a mission here that says we're going to reach out to people who are far from God one relationship at a time. So we're going to do it in creative ways. We're going to do it in ways where people can understand. Or like this week, we have our Camp Legacy. We have these teenagers, close to 500 of them, that are going to be here to hear about Jesus Christ. For some of them, they've never heard about him or met Jesus Christ. So for them to hear for the very first time that they have hope, they have redemption from their past or their sins or they're washed clean or they've been forgiven or that they're loved by God right where they're at, that is, a, that, that is an eye-opener for many of them. And so your giving goes towards all of these things. I can tell you this, for Heidi and I, when we first began tithing, we, we had to really think it through because we thought, wait a minute, tithing, tithing is giving money. I don't want to give money. I'm trying to make money. So a tithe basically is this. In your notes, a tithe is a tenth of your income. Just think of that, a tenth of our income, a tenth. We're thinking the government already takes 35%. So now there's another 10%. That's 45%. I'm not even getting paid half because of my bills and everything else. So when I get paid, I don't. Like, now, now I'm, I, I, I got to give 10%. And it sounds difficult. I, Heidi and I were there. And I remember thinking all of that. And I thought, how can we give 10% when we can't even save a penny? How do we even do this? But then we started to understand, and this is what the scripture tells us in Leviticus 27, verse 30. It says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or from the, from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. So this is what we understood. Instead of us looking at the finances, we went back to God's word because that's where it mattered. And what it says is God owns it all. So God wasn't saying, give me 10%. He's saying, I'm letting you keep 90 I own it all. So I want to bless you, and here's how. 
when you, when you take the 90 and you give me that 10, this is the seed from your crops that I'm going to use to bless you. I, really, how do you do that? Just look, at, just look at the plants. Just look at the crops. When you plant one seed, look how much fruit it produces. So when you give to me and I, and I plant that, I am the master at farming. I'm going to take this and then I'm going to multiply it and I'm going to bless you. It's not about a get-rich-quick scheme. It's about God and his blessing and that this is a holy moment, that we get to give to God, not I have to give to him. So once we understood that, then we, we tried. We said, okay, God, we're going to try. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see what happens. And once we understood that, we just never stopped tithing ever since. Did we run into some financial problems? Absolutely. Was it difficult at times? Absolutely. Did we, did we have a hard time paying rent back then? Absolutely. We were late. We, we had to cut out cable. We had to stop uh, different services that we had. We didn't have internet. We didn't have a cell phone. We said we can't afford those things. Why? Because we're putting God first. And once we put God first, this is the amazing thing that happened that would never have happened. And now I can see what God was doing back then. It was never about the finances. What God was doing was he was getting our life in order. So once we started giving to him, we said, okay, Heidi, we're, we're going to have to watch our spending because we don't have money to spend. We, we can't eat out as much. So we're just going to have dinners at home. And that brought us closer together, brought our families together. Okay, Heidi, we're not able to have uh, cable. We got to cut out cable. It had us spending more time with each other. It's just amazing what God does when we obey him. That is, we think it's about the finances. God says, no, it's about my promises. I have so many promises for you, but this is how I'm going to do it. And I thought, then why finances? Why couldn't it have been that, oh, just give me 10% of your shoes? Why couldn't it have been, give me 10% of the shirts you wear? Why couldn't it have been 10% of the hair? Because it's falling out. I could give you that. But it had to do with finances and and here's the reason why. Because it's harder. It's easy to give hair. I can, I can give God 10% of my hair. It's automatically being given anyway. I, I can give him, 10, this one is a little bit tougher, but 10% of my shoes, I can do that. I can survive on, you know, some shoes. I, I can give my old shirts. I can do that. But then if that were to take place, then my heart is never included in it. God is never after our finances. He doesn't want that. He wants our heart. And this is the way he does it. Because a heart is required to give of our finances because it's that hard. It's not easy. For some, they're saying, well, you know, I don't, I don't have a job right now. I've been praying and asking God for a job. I've been asking and asking and asking. And he has not provided yet. There are actually jobs that are out there, and maybe, maybe you didn't get to them yet. Maybe there are some that you're saying, ah, I don't want to work there. But God is still providing. If we're, if we're on the side that says, I want to pick and choose, God, which one? And God is saying, I have hundreds of jobs ready for you. Yeah, but I don't want to work those. Maybe God is teaching us something else. And if you're having a hard time tithing, maybe you can start off small. Your goal is 10, but you can start off with 2. 
and say, Lord, I'm going to start with two. I'm going to build up to ten. I'm going to get my finances in order. I'm going to watch how I do some things. I'm going to go on a budget so that I can put you first. And it's amazing what God is doing in the midst of all of that. And then what we see thereafter. I can't tell you what a blessing it is to see the end results rather than the beginning. The beginning is tough, but the end results are better. You see that in diets. I mean, if you are, if you are someone who says, I need to lose weight or I'll like get buff, you're doing something for a result. And we work hard at that. Oh, in the beginning, it's tough. We need to exercise. We need to eat healthy. But boy, do we love the results. For some of us, we're saying, I don't care. So we eat and eat and eat. And boy, do we not like the results. But either way, we're going to have some result. But here's what happens. Because we, we are a resulted-oriented society, when it comes to giving to God, it's purely based on faith and obedience. That what we're saying is, God, I'm going to give to you and I trust you in whatever you're going to do. Because I'm doing this out of faith and obedience. You're, you're going to take care of results. And I trust you on that. But that's what a tithe is. An offering is different than a tithe. An offering is giving from your heart beyond a tithe. It is not a tithe. So it's separate than a tithe. It's giving over and beyond. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8 says, To remember this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need, not all you want, just make that clear, all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's God's promise. Imagine that, that he's going to provide all we need, and then we're going to have left over to now help other people. Nothing greater than giving to God. Because that's when we're more like him. But the question is then, well, why should I tithe? This is what the book of Deuteronomy says. It says, you must tithe all of your crops every year. Bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as his sanctuary. And this applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first. That's why we tithe. It teaches us to put God first. It teaches us that God is who he says he is. It teaches us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then everything, everything else will be added unto us. That's his promise to us. So tithing, if you're putting that in your notes, tithing teaches me to always put God first. To put him first. An offering, an offering teaches me to share and releases me from a spirit of materialism. We live in a consumerism society that we just want. I mean, they, they make commercials good, don't they? I mean, when you're, this is the worst one. Like, when you're trying to eat healthy, and then on, for some reason, when you're trying to eat healthy, all the good, like, fast food commercials come on, or like eating at this certain place, or desserts, and they come on TV, and they make it look so good. Like, burgers don't look like that. It's all shiny and sizzling. And they have the bun. It's like this big. The guy's like, ah, 
tastes so good. You go there, it's like this small little thing. It's all flimsy and cold. It doesn't look like the same thing. But we see that and we want it. Why? Because society is teaching us to want. We just want. Because in our world, it's all about making more money and having more power. But in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, it's about humility and wanting to bless others. And God modeled that so well for all of us. John 3.16, the most famous scripture in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave. That is his principle, not ours. We have a tough time giving, but God says, I'm going to model it for you. And he gave us his one and only son. He gave us everything. He gave us eternal life, the free gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus. In a moment, we're going to be receiving communion, and we're going to understand why God gave us his son and what Jesus experienced on the cross for you and I. But he is a giver. That's who God is. On our last page, page 14, just helps us when we should tithe. If you're asking, well, when do I tithe? 1 Corinthians 16.2 says, on the first day of each week, which is Sunday, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. This was Paul the Apostle speaking, and he was saying, you've got to prepare to give. You don't just arrive and say, oh, I didn't, I didn't know. I, I, I need to, I don't know what to do. So what Heidi and I do is when income comes in, then we write a check. She writes the check because her handwriting is beautiful and mine is not. So she writes the check and then we get it ready. And then when the offering bucket comes by, we give. And so because it's every other week, that's when we give. But we got to prepare for that. We also give of offerings. We give of our building fund. We give towards missions. That's offering. That's over and beyond the tithe. And when we do that, it, again, teaches us to put God first. But we do that the first day of the week. Some of you do it during, uh, you tithe and give from our app. And that's fine, too. Because we don't, we don't do crops like how they did as our monetary form of currency. So we use what we have today. We have regular paper currency, and then we have electronic currency. So we, it's the principle of giving, not the item that we're giving. And if you think of God and who he is, he says, this is, this is how I do things. And my way is the best way. So we have opportunities to give, our building fund, air conditioning, our missions. Someone asked me, they said, I thought our air conditioning was paid off. I thought we were supposed to pay that off already. It would have if everyone gave. So I'm not putting that on pressure. I'm just saying that's the reason why we're still there. So we only have 13,000 left to go out of 90. And the reason why we wanted to put in air conditioning is, is especially during times like this where the summer hits and we come into service. I'm not sure if you remember how it was before, but we would invite people and they would come to church and like, oh, it's so hot, I can go outside. And so they would go outside and never hear the gospel. And so we thought, what are some ways that we can partner with you in your attempts to reach your family and friends. Well, if we put in air conditioning, then people will stay. And then it's a little bit more comfortable so that they can stay. Sometimes too comfortable and they knock out. But that's okay. At least we're getting there. We're closer. But we're going to pay that off soon. So thank you so much for being a part of that. I want to end with this scripture, Malachi 3.10. And the reason why is because this one spoke to Heidi, Heidi and I 
And this is where we saw the promise of God. It says to bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, God owns the storehouse. So there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord. This is, here's where the promise comes in. Now, we've got to remember, before every promise, there is a premise. Before there is a here it is, there is a if you do this. So if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the, the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try me. Put me to the test, he says. Put me to the test. So you know what Heidi and I did ever since we started tithing? Tested God. This is the only, only place he said to test him. This is the only place. And so we tested him. Can I tell you this? God has never, ever, ever been unfaithful. I'm not saying that because I'm the pastor and I should say that because that, if I don't say that, then it's like, yeah, see, no work. I'm saying that because the bug of work. So when we gave to God, now there were times, yeah, it was tight. Sometimes we had, we had Simon for days and I had to be creative and I made fried Simon. I made, you know, Simon, Simon. We had raw Simon. We had Simon on top of Simon and, you know, you know cake noodle Simon. We just, we had Simon cake just raw, just straight up like, the soldiers. And then we, we would come up here, and then there were potlucks, and they said, does anybody want to take extra? I was like, yeah. <laughs> Give me all of that cool pig. And no, no, I help you guys. I'll take the food for you, I'm, you know, for my family. So I would, God would still provide wherever it was. You invite me to your birthday, I am there. You need help cleaning up the food, I am there. God still provided. I carried Ziploc bags in my bag just in case. <laughs> you know, potluck went bad. I'm like, oh, I can take that. Oh, we no more. We don't want foil. Oh, I get Ziploc bag. I get. <laughs> I actually didn't do that, but that's a great idea. Shucks, I missed that. But God did provide. We even had we even had a season where the church, because we have this thing called plus one, they would give us food. And I remember those days. I remember. And I'm so thankful that you are a giving church. And we do have a, a program called Plus One. In fact, I think, Heidi, you bought some things. Uh, she said, Is this, we can use this for a Plus One. But we did whatever we needed to do. And God has always been faithful. He never goes back on his promises. I would want to encourage you, test him on this one. Just test him. Watch what he does. And I stand here as a brother in Christ. That what he says, he does. I'm going to ask our ushers to get prepared and to, uh, for our communion time, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come out. I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of examine your heart as well as for some of you to accept Jesus Christ because for some of you, you've been here for a couple of weeks or maybe for some time, and you're saying, I've never given my heart toward Jesus, so I don't know what eternal life is all about, and I, I don't even know what this relationship with Jesus is all about, but I, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want that new life. I, I want God's blessing. And so as we conclude, I want to ask you to bow your heads for a moment and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, as we conclude today, it's, it's just a, a portion of our day. But for the rest of the day, Lord, we're going to be walking among other people. We'll be with our family and friends. And so we want to take what we've been learning and apply it in our world. I pray for those, Lord, this morning that maybe they're saying, I don't have a relationship with God. I didn't even know what that looks like. I've done some things in my past and 
I'm not proud of it. And so I, I have some things in my life that I don't know what to do with. I feel heavy at times and, and I feel this burden on my shoulders. And I just want to give that, I want to give that to God, but I don't know how to. Well, if you're here today and you're saying, I, I, I want that forgiveness of sin, I want that cleansing, I want that washing, all it is is asking Jesus to come into your heart. And you do that by a simple prayer. And I'll pray with you. I'll lead you in this prayer. You just include your heart. In fact, we can all pray this prayer. It's such a reminder of the commitment we made long ago for those of you who have already said yes to Jesus. And as we pray this today, God hears. Here's our prayer. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. and Make me more like you. I believe in you. And I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you just said yes to Jesus for the first time, could you just acknowledge that real briefly? Just lift a hand, and in doing so, you're saying, I said yes to Jesus today. Okay, God sees your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Okay, back there, God sees you too. God bless you. Right there, God sees you right there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. He's doing something. God sees you too. Okay, right there. Yeah, God sees you. Right there, yeah. Can you put your hands down? Lord, I do pray your blessing over these that said yes to you. We have a Bible for you and a free gift. Just come to the yes table afterwards in the back of the sanctuary. Lord, you also said to examine our hearts. So as we, as we receive communion today, we want to examine our hearts because this is where we connect with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead on. When Jesus was with his disciples, they were eating the Passover meal. And that Passover meal has a significance to it. I'm not going to go into that. But when they were eating this meal, Jesus was with his disciples and he was explaining to them what was going to take place. And they didn't really understand what he was trying to say. They understood afterwards. But Jesus speaks this to them. And which we know as the Last Supper. And so when Jesus came, and that hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So we know he went to the cross. But they, they didn't understand what he was saying that he was going to suffer after taking the cup he gave thanks and said take this and divide it among you for I tell you I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes and he took the bread and he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way after the supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you and he said every time you do this remember me and so we get to remember what Jesus has done for us he went to the cross paid the price for our sin died and was buried in the tomb and rose again to new life 
And that life he gives to us. Now, when he says, remember me, he said that to his disciples. Now, we, we, don't, we weren't there when Jesus died on the cross, but the disciples were. So when he says, remember him, they actually could remember him on the cross. They remember the, the nails that went through his hands and the nail that went through his feet. The crown of thorns that was placed on his head and the blood that was dripping from his body. The side of his body that was pierced where blood and water came out. So the disciples, whenever they received communion, meant more than just a setting like this. They remembered the suffering of the Lord. They also remembered he was buried in the tomb, but they also remembered, and this was the greatest part, that Jesus, although he died, he was raised again to life. And that's what we remember, that Jesus gives us life. And you may be in a season that you may feel like you're dying. There's, there's no more hope left, or you're in, a, you're in a tomb, you're in darkness. And God says, there is yet to be a resurrection. Keep your hope. So when he says, remember me, it's not just about remembering Jesus. It's remembering what he has done for us. And he gives us new life. His body has been broken for us. And he says, every time you do this, do not forget that. You take the bread together. He took the cup after supper and he said, this is, this is the new covenant in my blood. And as often as you drink this, remember me. You take the cup together. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and the ushers are going to collect the cups right after. We're going to pray and you're going to be dismissed. What a way to conclude our series that we get to receive communion together. Remember why we do what we do. It's all because of what Jesus has done. He's so good to us. Would you bow your heads with me as we conclude? Lord, thank you for allowing us the privilege of learning from you that as we grow together as a church, as we build relationships with each other and with you, that we would never forget what you have done. So today as we leave, Lord, we leave with your love, with your spirit, and with your hope that as we go out into this world, more people will come to know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And we all said together, amen, amen. Can we just congratulate those who said yes to Jesus this morning? Have a beautiful day, everyone. God bless you guys.